I did the announcements a moment ago, and I said, I think I've covered everything, and everyone's waving their hands in the background, shaking their heads. I think I forgot to mention text in questions. Now I got it. All right. Obviously, you can come as you are, and it's okay to not be okay. So if you have questions throughout the sermon, that's a-okay, and there's a number on the screen that you can text those questions in, so I would encourage you to do so. I will do my best to answer today. If I can't answer or they're too difficult, I'm going to wait until Pastor Adam returns next week, so uh, at the risk of committing heresy. Um, I have a friend who is joining us this morning. I won't point him out and embarrass him, uh, but he is joining us. He's not normally uh, attending here at the point. He uh, goes to a Baptist church not too far from here, and despite the fact that I'm a Lutheran and he's a Baptist, we get along rather well. He's a, he's a really good friend of mine. He's a good man. He's a good husband. He's a good father. So I, I count myself blessed to call him uh, my friend. We could allow our denominational differences to divide us and to separate us, uh, to create a lot of animosity. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, but the more time I spend with him, the more I realize we got a lot more in common than we have that separates us. Uh, we still rely upon the same Jesus. Uh, we still try to worship the same God. We're trying to lead our family well. Uh, so it's really cool this morning, as I was thinking about what we're getting ready to do, it's the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed has been said by uh, sons and daughters of God for hundreds of years. It goes back to around the 4th century. Uh, it is an ecumenical creed. Uh, the Apostles' Creed is something that we're going to recite together in just a moment. Creed comes from a Latin word meaning, I believe. So when we say the creed, we're essentially saying, this is what I believe. Ecumenical means global or worldwide. It means this creed belongs to the global universal church. It doesn't belong to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. It doesn't belong to the Southern Baptist Convention. It doesn't belong to the Methodists or the Presbyterians. We are all children of God. So when I ask you in just a moment what it is, people, that you believe, we're going to use the words of the Apostles' Creed. So, people of God, what is it that you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
August of 1955 was a hot and humid month in Money, Mississippi. Let's be honest, most summers down in Mississippi are probably pretty hot and humid. This summer, of course, much hotter, much more humid than young Emmett had experienced growing up in Chicago. 14-year-old Emmett Till was going down to rural Mississippi to visit some extended, fa uh, extended family. When Emmett got into town, he would quickly realize it was more than just the weather that was different about that place. 14-year-old Emmett Till went into a small grocery store where he had an interaction with a woman named Carolyn Bryant. Carolyn was the 21-year-old wife of the store owner. Carolyn, a white woman. Emmett, a young black man. Allegations would arise later that Emmett was touching, harassing, and whistling at Miss Bryant. Allegations that were not substantiated by others. For that horrible alleged crime a few nights later, Emmett Till would be dragged from his great uncle's home, beaten, shot, thrown in the Tallahatchie River. Three days later, his body was recovered so badly beaten, so bloated, friends and family begged his mother not to have an open casket. But she did so anyway. She wanted them to see her son. She wanted them to gaze upon his casket. She wanted it to change their hearts. She wanted it to change their lives. The swift and unrighteous judgment and death of Emmett Till, only one of the terrible stories that comes out of the Jim Crow era South. When I first heard this story, it bothered me. And it should anger you and arouse your sense of justice as well. See, as fallen sinners, men are unrighteous. They are wicked. They dispose their warped sense of justice with partiality and swiftness. Just as quickly as Emmett Till's killers stole his life from him, they were quickly acquitted at trial. So I want to share with you this morning a stark contrast, a contrast between the horrific account, this unrighteous judgment in the death of Emmett, Hill, Emmett Till at the hands of men, and the righteous judgment of God. Judgment actually due, judgment deserved. For the past few weeks, we've been walking through the first chapter of the book of Romans. Pastor Adam has been doing that. Uh, Romans is Paul's book to the Romans. Uh, it's Paul's letter to the Romans. It's the sixth book of the New Testament. Many, many people at, uh, in Rome at the time had not heard from an apostle in person before. So Paul needed to cover the basics of faith thoroughly. Some people call the book of Romans Paul's statement of faith. Some scholars have gone so far as to call it the summary of Paul's entire theology. See, that's what Paul is doing in the book of Romans. That's what he's doing in chapter 2 of that book. In the beginning of chapter 2, Paul is talking about the righteous judgment of God. And as a backdrop, you need to know like there were racial tensions going on in the South in 1955. There were tensions in the Roman church here as well between Jew and Gentile at the time that Paul is writing this letter. So in the first chapter of Romans, Paul is writing, Pastor Adam has been talking to you about, to the Gentile, to the sinner, the lost, those turning to their own ways. The Jews likely standing right behind Paul as he's doing that and say, yeah, tell them. You tell them, Paul. You tell those people. 
See, the Jews were God's chosen people, and therefore they no doubt judged the Gentiles. Perhaps even praying, thank you, God, that I'm not like those wretched Gentiles. Perhaps believing their status and standing with God would somehow allow them to escape God's righteous judgment. They judged others. They were hypocrites. And that's what Paul's writing about in Romans chapter 2. So we're going to take a look at Romans chapter 2, just verses 1 through 11 this morning. If you have a pew Bible, I think it's 1,173. Perfecto. All right. So if you'll read along Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek his glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So as we discuss in chapter 2, Paul is talking about the righteous judgment of God. How do we escape the righteous judgment of God? Well, obviously and clearly in this passage, Paul is saying it's our judgment of others in and of itself that God condemns. Our unrighteous judgment earns God's righteous judgment, right? So if we don't judge others, if we aren't judgmental, if we're not moralists, if we just mind our own business, if we take Matthew 7 to heart, judge not that you be not judged, then we're in good shape. If we just keep to ourselves, if we don't judge, then we are righteous and we are justified. These good works of ours will keep us in good standing with God, right? No. God's righteous judgment is broader, more encompassing, more expansive than just condemning and casting judgment on the moralist alone. Society tells us to stay out of other people's business. Hey, you do you, but you got to let me do me, and everything's cool. It's going to be a-okay. But simply staying out of others' business and turning a blind eye to their egregious sin won't save us from God's, unrighte- from God's righteous judgment. Men like those that took the life of Emmett Till judge based on outward appearances. Society tells us that if we just seemingly have it all together, we smile for social media, that that's going to be good enough. But God doesn't judge as the world judges based on outward appearances. God judges based on truth. Therefore, God looks at the heart. And all of us, friends, all of us have heart conditions. Every one of us. 
since the fall of mankind all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that we learn about, we have heart conditions, inherited sin that we can't cure on our own. No matter how much we mind our own business, no matter how willfully blind we are to the blatant sin going on around us, no matter how much effort we put into our outward appearances, no, Paul is saying something far more here than just don't judge others. Okay, so perhaps what Paul's talking about, something a little bit more specific, maybe, maybe it's hypocritical sin that God is condemning. It's the sin that we commit and that we turn around and give others a hard time for committing as well. So again, we just follow uh, Matthew chapter 7. We don't critique and criticize the speck that's in our brother's eye while we have a log in our own eye, then we're going to be in good shape. Because it's hypocrisy that Paul is talking about, right? No. Paul is saying something far more than just don't be a hypocrite. God's righteous judgment is broader, more expansive, more encompassing than just judging the hypocrites among us. Society says, don't be a hypocrite, you're going to be in good standing. Even if we could somehow avoid hypocrisy, we are stained with sin. We have a heart condition that only Christ can cure. Emmett Till's killers were exempt from the judgment of man, but no one is exempt from the righteous judgment of God. No one. Not you in the pew, not the people watching at home, not the pastors across this nation, not the Pope across the sea, no one. Paul is talking about sin. It is sin which condemns and it condemns universally. White and black, Jew and Gentile. Paul is speaking about something more than just not being judgmental, not being hypocritical. He's talking about all-encompassing all-inclusive sin. We are all sinners who stand condemned before a holy and righteous God. Paul is saying civil righteousness, moralist behaviors, good works, even a social media is not going to save you. So how do we escape the righteous judgment of God? It is through God's grace alone, through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, which saves. We are sick, we are sinful, we are in need of a Savior. Scripture tells us that all have sinned, that all fall short of the glory of God, that all deserve God's righteous judgment. I've got to confess something to you this morning. When Pastor Adam told me he was traveling to Omaha this week, he'll be back next week, I was excited to be able to come and share God's Word with you, and then I read Romans 2. And I went, oh boy. Because it's not an easy thing as a vicar, as a pastor in training, to come and talk to you this morning all about judgment and sin. Society in general loves to minimize discussions of sin. But friends, acknowledge our sin we must because we trivialize the cross when we minimize sin. We take the significance out of Christ's suffering when we pretend that we are not sinful. When we think our works and our efforts and our outward appearances are alone are enough, we deceive ourselves. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, we read, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And unlike men, 
God doesn't judge in unrighteousness. He doesn't judge based on skin tone or color or race. As a good father, he does not show favoritism. No one gets a free pass. Like the, Jews, like the Jews Paul addresses in Romans, too many in our society believe themselves somehow elevated or exempt from God's righteous judgment. They think, you know, I've led a pretty good life. Then they go on sinning. They would tell you at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Then they go on sinning. They go on sinning without any sign of confession or remorse or repentance. No one gets a free pass. In Deuteronomy 10:17, we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. Paul tells us that in the delay of God's punishment, it doesn't mean that anyone has been given a free pass. Rather, it's an invitation, an opportunity to repent before Christ returns. In return, he will. As people, we are sinful we face God's righteous judgment. Our requirement is repentance. Our recourse is salvation through faith in Christ alone. With all this talk of judgment and sin, I want to leave you with some good news this morning. It's the best news you'll ever hear. It's the best news I've ever heard. It is through the faithfulness and the sanctifying work of Christ and Christ alone which is the source of righteousness for everyone who believes. God is gracious. God is merciful. In His mercy, we don't get the death sentence that we deserve. In His grace, we are given life eternal through His Son, Jesus Christ. In Christ, you do not stand condemned. You are acquitted. You are absolved. You are free free from damnation, free from death. Alone we are found wanting. In Christ we are found not guilty. Christ overcame sin, death, and the devil for you. And in that redemptive work, you stand justified before a holy and righteous God. Christ on the cross was God's righteous judgment pronounced God's righteous judgment poured out once and for all, for one and all. Christ crucified on the cross said, it is finished. Friends, it is finished. Christ died not just for the Jew or for the Greek, but he died for all people. All are united in sin. All are united in salvation. So you need not fear God's righteous judgment. Just like Emmett Till's mother wanted him to see her son, I want you to see God's son. I want you to gaze upon the cross. I want it to change your heart. I want it to change your life. You are acquitted. You are absolved. You're free. Recognize your sin and repent, but receive God's glory, His honor, His peace. That's what Paul's writing about in Romans chapter 2. I went to some churches as a kid and I heard a lot about judgment and sin. So I want to make sure I leave you with this. 
God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful Father, we love you. Sometimes I wonder as a sinner uh, who does not love you at all times in my whole heart and doesn't love my neighbors, myself, why you would love the likes of me. Father, we thank you that you do love us, that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. This morning specifically, Father, I want to lift up Brian. Brian, who is a friend of Roger, who is involved in an accident. Father, we know that you can heal. We're asking for a miracle to lead him confidently through any surgeries and any treatments that he may need. Father, I lift up Teresa, the aunt of Jessica Bray. Father God, we need answers. There's a lot of doubt and uncertainty. Give the doctors wisdom and discernment. Father, that's what we're asking. We're, we're pleading for healing. Father, I lift up Michael McNeely, who is going through radiation and uh, treatment currently. Give him strength and comfort. Father, I, uh, I lift up my own dad, who is going through uh, radiation treatments as well. Father, it takes a toll on the body, but you have given him a strong heart, and uh, we ask you continue in his healing as well. Father, also at this time of the year, we lift up all educators, all teachers, all school administration. We ask you keep them safe. They have a great year ahead of them. Uh, they have lots and lots of patience for their students. Uh, Father, we ask that they learn not only academically, but they learn to love as you have taught us to love. Father, that this be the generation that says... We've had enough hate, and we want to love as you've called us to. Pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So at this time, we take up a tithe, uh, tithes and offerings. If you came today prepared to give, you can do so uh, by leaving cash or check in the black boxes that are out um, by the doors there. If you have connect cards or birthday cards, don't forget you can... Slam Adam, Pastor Adam in the face with a pie, so turn in your, your birthday card uh, there. Just know what, it, or actually, actually, if you came today not prepared to give and you want to give online, you can do that too at thepointknox.com. There's a little till icon there. You can set up a one-time payment or recurring payment. That's what I do because I'm forgetful. So whether you give here, whether you give online, whatever you give, just know that we give not to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Um, I glanced just a moment ago. Two things that I saw. One was a question about uh, what if it rains at the park. Right. Uh, there's, man, we've got a lot of rain recently, right? Someone said there's another storm coming through tonight. My prayer will be that everyone stays safe. Hopefully no one has any damage, but um, I digress. Uh, next week at the park, if it rains, I think last year, the last couple of times we've done that at Victor Ash, there's a covered pavilion area. And so um, from memory, it's not a huge area. We may have to get in and and stay tight uh, as one big family. Uh, we might have to love each other. We have to love each other a little bit, yeah. So um, we should be able to do the, the we're going to do breakfast at 9.30. We're going to do an abbreviated service at 10.30. I don't know if I mentioned this. These doors are going to be like capital L locked, locked, locked. So if you show up and you can't get in, it's because we're at Victor Ash Park. We only do it every once in a while, and that's where we're going to be next week. So if it rains, we'll be under the pavilion. Still time to go. Someone else texted in a question. A, um, prayer request for someone who's uh, having biopsy for something that's going on. So, um, yeah, we would include that individual in our prayers as well. I don't know if I saw a name. But. Sure, yeah. We'll look. Um, 
So first up on the questions, uh, one that came in in the middle of the week, which you can text in the middle of the week if you didn't know that. Um, it says, it's got a quote here from Isaiah 610. Uh, make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Is this verse, in this verse, why does it seem like God does not want the people to repent and be healed? Yeah, that's tough, right? So uh, my friend I mentioned who's here, he and I have a Bible study, and we went back and looked at Pharaoh. You know, there are certain references that Pharaoh hardened his heart or God hardened Pharaoh's heart. One, God is God, and he can will whatever he wants to will to begin. But I I would have to go back and look at that specifically. But I think um, there are a lot of times in Scripture, and Adam talked about it last week. If you didn't hear his sermon, go back and listen to. There are times where God loves us enough to give us what we want. So if people have turned from God, if they're chasing after other things, uh, then he will give them over to those desires, to those misplaced idols. And so I would have to look at that, but it may be that they were already turning from God, chasing after other things. And so God essentially says, hey, look, it's not good for you, but if you continue to say you want this thing, I'm going to give it to you. And then he hardens their heart. Um, All right, next question is, Uh, Paul mentions that a woman's head should be covered and that she should remain silent in church. When did the shift away from this occur? I'm glad the shift happened, obviously, but I'm just curious about the historical significance behind it all. No way. No way I'm touched down. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) That that is a big, 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 big topic uh, that Paul speaks about, especially speaking in churches, female... um, pastors. And so I, I am punting, but I'm punting for a reason. It's a big enough question. It's a sensitive enough topic that deserves more time than I can give right here. I love the opportunity to do this. The reason that I hesitate is because I don't want to misspeak or say something that isn't in keeping with God's word, commit heresy. Adam needs to be involved in that discussion. I'll partner with him in a points leftover, or we will address it next week. I'm not dodging. I'm just telling you, I have enough respect and reverence for that question to say we need to spend some time talking through it. So, definitely, definitely. Yeah. How's that um, for a punt? I, I think that's a, a good punt. Okay. Friendly punt. Yeah. Um, can you share more information on youth and confirmation at the point? We have it. Uh, youth and confirmation is usually reserved for 6th grade through 12th grade. Um, there's a couple of individuals. Alan, I think. Man, I should know this. I'm sorry. but um, Aaron. Yes. Okay, right here. Perfect. So here's another punt. If you have questions about confirmation or about youth, speak to Aaron. We, we're going to have that. They're going to be walking through. Uh, it's an important part of faith formation for those who are in middle school and high school upcoming on Sunday. So um, he's sitting right here if you have questions. So I would encourage you, if you have a middle school or high schooler, to, uh, to participate in that. So. I think that's it on questions. That's it? That's not yeah. so bad. Okay. Only Great. one. Absolutely. So if you couldn't hear in the balcony, it was a, th- it was a thankfulness for, for prayers. We're glad you're here. I came to visit you in the hospital. Adam was out of town again. I was like, well, you're stuck with me, but uh, I'm glad you're back. Absolutely. And you're welcome. So uh, any other announcements? Am I forgetting? No one's waving or like we're doing okay. All right. Birthday cards in the back. We're not going to be here next week. All right, if that's, if that's it, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.